Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yes, my makeup phone wasn't working, but it is now. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Jill Ellis' favorite podcast in soccer we trust. I'm Jimmy Trashcat Group Conrad, also known as Jim, alongside Hollywood Heath Pierce, and Charlie Chuck Wagon Boarding Footy Davies, and we have a cracking show for you, like always, because we're talking the U.S. Open Cup, and then MLS Commissioner Don Garber not being a big fan, the Red Bulls parting away with their coach Gerhard Struber, and Chicago Fire parting ways with Ezra Hendrickson, which happened just about an hour or two ago, which means... I think from a New York Red Bulls perspective, it might be time to get the band back together. And yes, I'm talking about Jesse Marsh and Chris Armas. Then we have a huge MLS versus U.S. Men's National Team U20 debate to get into whether MLS teams should release their players for the U20 World Cup. And then we have a weekend recap of our player pool to talk about. And it's going to be a lot of fun as always. But first, let's get a vibe check on the guys. Hollywood, how's Hollywood treating you? I'm good. I'm vibing uh, on this uh, wonderful Monday. It's good to have the three of us on the show. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to just talk about things obviously we're seeing uh i don't know if we're seeing a a a new window of uh you don't perform you're out in major league soccer we've seen uh you know jimmy's uh jimmy's talked about uh wanting maybe some changes in some other cities in major league soccer but uh those haven't happened so far but we've seen uh two coaching changes okay chuck how are you looking good you seem like you're uh on the beach somewhere with your shirt i'm excited to talk about things um (laughs) but i will say i listened to heath call the game this weekend in MLS at LA Colorado and and you were fantastic Keith. Did you actually so, think so? Thank you. Yeah, I do. I, think, I appreciate I really that. Good. You know, um, it's uh you know who wasn't good? LA Galaxy. They weren't good. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> which yeah. which then I mean, we'll get into it later, yeah. but there there can't be just two. And yeah. I, and I and I and I I stand up and I applaud the New York Red Bulls because they're setting the chain reaction, right? It, it took one club to say all right, now we're pulling the plug. Now yeah. is that moment. So then every other hey, club goes, uh, we have a, well, we are too. Hey, Casey got their first win, Jimmy. If they go on a run for three games, that's four more years. Jimmy was like, hey, that was my job. Yeah. What? I'm waiting for that thing. Come on. Uh, you still know, got I have been patiently waiting for the call. Yeah. I have. Yeah. I have. I have. All right, so we got a great show to get into. Let's talk about the Open Cup, though, because there's 32 teams left in the Open Cup. 24 are from MLS and eight from the USL Championship. And in those 16 games in total, 
Uh, six of them are actually going to be between MLS and USL championship teams. Three of those games, three of those six, will be hosted by the USL team. And then uh, the one I'm looking at, Sacramento Republic, uh, hosting the Colorado Rapids. And I say that because Sac Republic got to the final and lost to Orlando City last year. Now, one of these 16 games will be between two USL sides, and it's actually some rivals, Memphis 901 and the Birmingham Legion. And the other nine will be MLS taking on MLS, which is cool. But what's cooler is our very own Golasso channel, which is free, by the way, and you can find it on CBS Sports app, cbssports.com, Paramount Plus, and Pluto TV, is showing four of these Open Cup games. So I kind of wanted to talk about these boys, even though there's some good ones. I don't know. The, the, on Tuesday, they're doing Charlotte FC versus Orlando City. Now, fun fact, Orlando City won Open Cup, as I just mentioned, but they had every game at home last season, and this time they traveled to Charlotte. So we'll see what they're made of. And then the other game on Tuesday is Monterey Bay, who beat the San Jose Earthquakes, who are coached by Frank Yallop, who is a former MLS Cup champion with the Quakes. And he's, he's also a Galaxy too, right? coach. Yeah, Canada national team coach. He's the coach of Monterey Bay. His assistant is Ramiro Corrales, who played in the league for, I think, all 25 years of his, of his existence. Of his existence. I can't even and is also from there. Is he also is. from Salinas. Oh, you, you, played, you played with Frank Yallop, Jimmy, right? No, yeah. come on, dude. He was my, no. Jimmy mentored Frank Yallop. Yallop started <laughs> yeah. professionally. Jimmy Look played after. I should take, yes, you're right. I should take Ramiro full credit Corrales. for him. By the way, Maria, Ramiro Corrales, for those that don't know, he had a 12-year national team career, and there were like four-year gaps in between. He like played, <laughs> then four years later, he got more another call-up, and then four years like late in his career under Bruce, got another call-up, which is pretty wild to think about, you know, having that sort of ebb and flow where you get called back in over that amount of time, but don't end up with you know that many that many caps. I was looking that up recently. Okay, uh, so Monterey Bay, and that's a great show. That might be like a fun fact of all fun facts. They beat the Quakes, as I mentioned, but they're hosting LAFC. And that game is tomorrow night at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. And LAFC just lost to the Quakes this past weekend. So we'll see which version of them are going to show up. On Wednesday, you got SC Cincinnati taking on NYCFC. Cincinnati actually reached the semifinal of the Open Cup back in 2017 as a member of the USL Championship. So they got some high hopes. They're going to be hosting NYCFC, who haven't really taken this, this competition too serious. Uh, LA Galaxy and the Sounders. That'll be on Wednesday night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, twice champions, the Galaxy, who are coming off that loss to the Colorado Rapids, are hosting the four-time Open Cup winners, Seattle Sounders. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if you guys want to talk about those games that are going to be on the Golasso channel or if you want us to talk about any of the other ones. But I think we well, should get into this before hey, we get hey, to Don Garber's yeah, right, comments. Can, right. can, I, can I just clarify the Romero Corrales comments? Yes. Six caps, okay, with the national team. Yes. First cap, 1996. Second cap, 1997. Third cap, 1997. Fourth cap, 2004. Fifth and sixth caps in 2008. That's pretty wild over 12 years to have like six caps and to get called when, in over 12 years. When are those caps, though? Uh, are, are any of them January he caps? Had, no. He, so he had a January. His final two were January camps under uh, under Bob, I believe. January 2008, right? So that would have been, yeah, Bob Bob for the final two. He had a qualifier in 2004 against Jamaica. Jimmy, did you play in that one? Columbus Crew Stadium? One I didn't. Draw? No. Uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't been called in yet. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm ninth. But when you think about 1996, 97 as your first caps and your last one in in uh, 2008, that's pretty pretty impressive. It is. That, that is I was going to say. Also, do we really think LAFC were going to be the invincibles here? Of course, a loss was coming down there the the pipeline. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. But yeah. San Jose, ooh boy. Oh no, pride, no, no, you no. Know? Hey, shout out to Lucci Gonzalez. Yeah, shout out to Lucci. He's he's not getting credit enough credit for really changing the culture of the San Jose Earthquakes team because 
let's be honest. Every time you played San Jose, you see him on the schedule. It's like, oh, that's three points. Oh, yeah, three points. Uh, this is a, a, a scattered squad, so up and down and, and typically not a, a real collective. It was like three separate lines in the field between the defense and midfield and, and the strikers. It was just helter-skelter. And now he's brought like a whole system to the San Jose Earthquakes. And Christian Espinoza is benefiting the most in this group. So I want to give a shout out to, to Lucci because he he's definitely matured as a coach and he's getting better. And you can see that he's always worked well with, with the youth. And now you can start to see the, the click from youth to, to really having a success with, with the first team. I think, I think uh, living nearby and getting to watch quite a few quakes games, they, they seem to have an identity where you can feel the whole team is bought in. Whereas yes. with Matias Almeida and and anybody else that was prior to him, it felt like some of the guys were bought in or they'd be buying for a couple of games and the whole thing would fall apart and then it'd just be hard to get that confidence. And it's nice to see that Jimmy, they got some consistency. Are you wearing a jersey or is that like a, like, what is that? Sail, a sailing top? Yeah, or... I can't, I, I don't know. Jersey, oh, it is, man. it is a jersey. Okay. I couldn't tell if it was like a jersey or like a, like a, like a shirt from your, P class, or I couldn't tell what it. <laughs> what is, is that, that shirt? What is that jersey? Is yeah, that it looks own, like, like custom. 77? It looks like someone's about to put a number bib on you and send you for a run against Prefontaine. But what is it? <laughs> this is—I uh, don't even know if this company exists anymore. But when we were doing Kick TV back in the day, this company called Campo made oh, me. Yeah, uh, I, I, I remember. Yeah, that. U.S. Yeah. Men's That's, National. It is, team it's sweet. I just—I'd never seen anything like it before. You know. Yeah, Thank it's, you. It, it's like a play like a kit because it's so tight to like, <laughs> stuck on your body. Yeah. So it's, good. Yeah. Yeah. it's a little bit uh, like a wetsuit for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about what Don Garber said in the Open Cup or about the Open Cup. Uh, he had there was like a, a meeting that was a U.S. soccer board meeting that happened last week. And, and here are the commissioner's comments. I'm going to read them to you. And I want you guys to give me your nice raw reactions here. And everybody listening, leave your thoughts in the comments. And then anybody on Twitter, hit us up at ISWT pod. Drop us a follow there as well. Don Garber said. About the Open Cup, they are not games that we would want our product to be shown to a large audience. So frankly, I'm not all that disappointed that the audience is small. He continued, from our perspective, it is a very poor reflection on what it is we're trying to do with soccer at the highest level. The games are hard to find. I'm telling you as an actual viewer, the reaction from our ownership, from our team presidents, and even our fans in terms of even being able to find the games, the quality of the games... The some of the games we've been playing on are on subpar fields. I appreciate the enthusiasm about it, but we need to get better with the U.S. Open Cup. It's just not the proper reflection of what soccer in America at the professional level needs to be. <sighs> so, any any thoughts on that? <laughs> um, go ahead, Heath. <laughs> I, I, go ahead, Heath. I, well, you know what's uh, interesting? Okay, I'll go first. I I will say this. He makes these comments and he bring he's bringing more attention to the Open Cup. It's 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 almost working in reverse. So I kind of like that. He's getting people that are like, hey, what's he talking about? Oh, there's oh there's this cup competition that exists. Even though we've been banging the drum for a long time about how important it is, it's kind of funny that these comments could be working against him. Unless he's trying to do reverse psychology, you know, fair play uh, to yeah, him. Yeah, I, I don't think. <laughs> I think everyone in our world knows what this is. So yes. it's not, I, I don't think Go ahead. Well, explain, explain what everybody in our way. world is then for the people that don't know what maybe you're so saying. If, if you watch uh, England, England's FA cup, it's where every professional team gets a chance to compete in this tournament. And you, you could play the smaller clubs in, in the country and it gives them exposure. It gives them that, 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 that dream of, of 
playing against a top team and potentially beating them on, on their day. If, if things go right, you could have this Cinderella, Cinderella team make it all the way down to, you know, the quarterfinals, semifinals, if, if you want. I mean, we saw Sacramento, who is a USL team, get to a U.S. Open Cup final, right? And, th- and that's that's awesome. So essentially, the, the smaller markets who probably will never get a chance to, to get an MLS organization franchise and in a lot of cases will will never get a chance to really play on the same field as some of these MLS players have this opportunity to play in a U.S. Open Cup and it's and, awesome and go far and it's awesome yes. and and yeah. for me if I was a kid in New Hampshire and my my team was playing and and we, they got to play the revolution a lot of families can't afford going yeah. to an MLS match so all of a sudden you you get a chance to watch Revs come to your your hometown. Yeah, and shout out Stanislaus County Cruisers. Let's go. There you go. Your townies, your towny, uh, tiny stadium in your town. Like that's fantastic. Is there something to be said then? And Heath, I want to hear from you on this. With regard to okay, it might not feel big for MLS clubs now, but if there's a shock upset somewhere, like that matters to that smaller club, as as Charlie's saying. But you're also creating that history. You're you're you're. Mm-hmm. We we talk about growing the game here, growing the culture, doing all these things. This is the best event and competition that we have to grow the game in this country in all markets around. And I just don't understand why so many people, not just Gone Garber, but there's a lot of people that shit on this competition. Yeah. And I just don't get it because if the spirit of what we're doing here is to grow the game, then then this competition should be at the very, very top or at least close this, to it. This, this is what I'd say. It's a competition for the people. This is not a competition for business. This is a competition for the people. Well and, said, Chuck. And, and, and long term, it works for the business because you're growing the game and and the the stories. And I, I think another part of it is the scouting. You you might find that one jewel uh, of a young player who has all this potential, and and that's how they see it in in, in England in the FA Cup. There's players that get moves just from this competition. So it, it's in a way. Also scouting and seeing, you know, what this country is doing in terms of development for the smaller clubs who maybe there's a couple of players who, who fall through the cracks and boom, you, you have that magical performance or you, your team makes a run and, and you get that move. So, yeah, well, I, I can speak I, to it because we played yeah. it back in San Jose, uh, whatever. I'm not even going to give you guys the okay. year. Shut up. So, so, <laughs> but we played against Dwayne Day Rosario when he was at Richmond and we played him in the open cup. And we were like, that the whole team was like, that guy is special. We 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 beat them, but we we saw enough of Dwayne to think, how do we get that guy on our team? And sure enough, he signed for us. Well, he, that's how it happened. That's how it happened. We saw wow. him in the open cup. That's how we saw Dwayne De Rosario. And the guy was next level. And and we signed him. He was a spot starter for us the following year, but he ended up scoring the game winning goal in MLS Cup final and he went on to have an incredible career. But but that was where we identified him. So to your point, Chuck, that, that really does happen. And I have real life evidence of that, but uh, Heath, your thoughts on this. Yeah, I, I, it's a tough, it's a tough one, right? I, I think if you go back to where it stands right now, I believe it's probably being given away uh, in terms of its broadcast, right? They were looking for a sponsor. I think they got an actual sponsor behind it. it might be 
one of the beer companies. I think maybe Budweiser's behind it. Okay, time out, time out. Why is this so hard to sponsor then? Given given how we can make it romantic, right? And you can speak to all these it, things and the March Madness be, feel of it. Because it's a chicken. So hard to sell? I've, I've actually I've actually pitched a number of things and in like an, an official way to U.S. Soccer that uh, that I believe would be good changes in terms of the format, in terms of group play, in terms of different ways, in terms of storytelling, right? Because it does have all of that romanticism that Charlie talked about. Obviously, the FA Cup has a lot of non-league. There are barriers of entry in terms of like the the stadium that your your team has and if you have played in a couple other competitions that could qualify you into the FA Cup and there's a number of barriers of entry that to pre- prevent uh, a lack I think there of quality or being able to even have the infrastructure to set up either fans or or the 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 television setup but uh, they haven't gotten from what I understand a a TV sponsor and or one that's spending money at least on it right now and and I think that makes it difficult right now right so. Because you can't go into these communities and and create the storytelling elements or do the game a little bit differently. We saw, what was it, ESPN last year sort of had their whip around show in the final rounds of, cool. of, of the Open Cup, which is cool. The stories are at the local and community level, right? Uh, until it goes upwards. And, and if you're Major League Soccer, you're like, well, we benefit in growing the game. But we don't benefit in all of these other things necessarily that that are that are leading up to us. I think soccer as a whole grows and benefits, but they haven't. I think they do have an actual title sponsor. I, I believe it's Budweiser. I could be wrong on that. When Turner did the deal, I think it was believed that Turner had the Open Cup. I think they opted out of that Open Cup uh, coverage with their new multi-year deal that they had signed, um, or Turner HBO, whatever whatever the actual parent right, company right. is now. And and it left uh, U.S. Soccer in a tough spot to go and, and and figure out how to do that. Now we know the final rounds are exciting, right? Because you know you put the teams on it. We saw Sacramento Republic and the excitement around that. We see MLS teams obviously fielding their best teams as you get down to the end. We're now seeing a busier schedule than ever ever in terms of Concacaf Champions League, Leagues Cup, and all these things. So uh, U.S. Uh, U.S. Open Cup purposely put it into windows that weren't during international breaks, which I think it may have previously been to make sure that your pl- the teams have access to their best players. In, in, in rounds. I remember playing in cup competitions. Again, we talked about this a little bit where it was really exciting to go to these small villages and places when I was in Europe that oh. it was a big, I mean, I'm talking about little villages, right? Where it was literally rails <laughs> like, around the field. What, what, I was like, what U S city are you calling yeah, a village right yeah. now? But, uh, okay. but like, there's a lot, right? My, my, if you go into Monterey Bay is a small place, you know, yeah. Modesto is a small place. Merced is a small place. Turlock is a small place. These are towns and villages that this is a huge moment for these clubs when you came in. And I said Stanislaus County Cruisers because I remember when the San Jose Clash came into our town and we filled up the the private uh, the Catholic school and and called Central Catholic in my city. And I remember how crazy it was for me to get to experience them. Not just because I got to see the stars of San Jose Earthquakes, but I got to see them in my town, and that seemed impossible to me. Right? Like these people are are going to now know where Modesto is. Like on the map, they know. Uh, even though it's just a couple hours away, just this idea of them coming into my area and into my home and feeling like, wow, I'm seeing them in person and I'm seeing them in my environment was an insane experience for me. And and and, and it's why I remember it so vividly. Um, and so there's a lot of things to it that need to benefit. I don't think U.S. soccer is in a position right now to just fork out cash, right? We knew that we we know where their financial situation is right now. And so it's going to require some collaboration with the rights holder, with 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 sponsors and things like that to prop it up so that we can start to extract the value out of it so it's not just about the final two or three rounds. It's about the stories all along the way, um, which, again, don't really benefit Major League Soccer. It benefits, benefits the game, which in turn benefits Major League Soccer, but if you're thinking about them and the and the product they're trying to put out now, it's I, 
it's a harsh. They don't comment. control it, right? So they don't control it. Yeah, and that's right. and so it's not theirs. It's it's gonna ha- it's gonna be different. Now they could say they would do it differently if it was theirs, but would they? And U.S. Soccer has this situation now that it's it's hard to fix because it requires significant investment into having more cameras. You have more localized content on scene. You have to have more you know, uh, cameras to capture content that gives you goals, that gives you stories, that gives you all those things. I remember there was the Christos FC team that was, you know, their clubhouse was in the back of a liquor store. And like, that's where that was their sponsor for the open cup. And like, that's where they posted up. And there's like a little deli in there. We had sent people there to do the game and they'd, you know, there was a goal and people were going crazy. And it was like a really cool, it was a really cool. There's all like what you're all, all, all the places. time, yeah, everywhere, the time. there is all these unique stories, which is why I I love the idea of of Monterey Bay, right? I love the idea of when I see Turlock playing in or Academica and Turlock playing in early game, Turlock. and and like oh, that I name, love that name. Gets yeah, me. it's crazy, and it's and the club is run by by a a Portuguese Catholic church and like funded. It's like you have all these really wild stories of really localized community based soccer, and they get their big game of the year. Right. And you they they generally come to 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 your area to play that game. I just there's so many things about it that's great. But one, you need to have a platform that you can tell those stories and people will care. You have to connect, right. you know. We're seeing that now. I'm sorry, I'm on a bit of a rant. You're seeing that now with more oh, clubs around it. the country I'm that aren't just it. about that aren't just about uh, you know, you can connect with major league soccer on a community level, but you can also connect with um uh Vermont Green for what they stand for, right? And you can connect with uh Oakland Roots, you can connect with um uh, what's the, uh, uh, Ford Madison, Glenn's, baby, San Francisco Glenn's. you can have your own thing that is on a local level. It's community based. That still resonates for what they stand for or what they believe in or something cool about them that, you know, there was this thing about the Oakland roots that were like, we're, we're, uh, we're a t-shirt or we're a clothing company that has a soccer team as like a, as like an ethos. Right. And that's, I think that's just cool and different and gives people a reason to be like, well, I, I would support them or I'll support this club or I'll support, you know, this team or this community because of what they stand for, what they're pushing. And that doesn't mean it has to be non MLS. It's just that these unique storylines, I think make this thing really, really cool. Uh, but it requires some commitment beyond just us soccer or major league soccer it requires substantial investment into either changing it, iterating on it or investing in it so that we can all benefit from the things that we know little snippets about. Cause there's a thousand untold stories. Yeah, shout out to my San Francisco Glens. We won our USL League 2 opener against Academica 1-0 tomorrow. And then, oh, really? Yeah, San Francisco oh. Glens. Also, we had our women's team, the, the W League, have their first ever game, and they beat Academica 7-0. So oh. a good weekend for the Glens, up the Glens. Also, we're going to take our first and only break of the Heath Pierce podcast. When we come back, <laughs> we are going to talk about the U.S. men's national team U-20s as they prepare for the World Cup, which is coming up, the U-20 World Cup and MLS being allowed to release their players and a couple firings in MLS as well. So don't go anywhere. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. All right, everybody, welcome back to In Soccer. We trust, I want to remind everyone that the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus is down to the final four teams and two epic semifinal matchups. We've got the Milan Derby and Man City taking on Real Madrid. That's right, Kareem Benzema, defending champs, Real Madrid. Take on Erling Haaland, maybe you've heard of him, and tournament favorite Manchester City in a rematch of last year's thrilling semifinal. I don't know why Man City's the tournament favorite when they're not, I've never won it before. Anyway, plus it's the clash of Italian Titans as Inter squares off against AC Milan in a battle for city bragging rights. Find out which clubs will reach the ultimate goal in soccer's greatest yearly competition. Stream every Champions League semifinal match live exclusively on Paramount Plus, and you can try for free at ParamountPlus.com slash live sports, and you're welcome for that. We hope you enjoy the first legs that are happening tomorrow and Wednesday. Should be a lot of fun as we get down to the nitty-gritty to see who can win the Champions League this time around. I do think that City probably will win, but they shouldn't necessarily be tournament favorites when they've never won it before. That's just what I wanted to say. All right, boys, let's get into the firings first. And I want to know from you, too, and anybody else listening or watching, were you surprised by these sackings? Now, the Red Bulls one is a little not surprising for me because it comes off the heels of Dante Van Zier. Not a little not surprising? Okay, it's not surprising. He had that (laughs) racial slur. He's still suspended. And Gerhard Stuber, the coach, they parted ways with him. Uh, he had a poor handling of the situation. And now it looks like assistant Troy Lesesny is going to take charge for the rest of the season. He was USL Championship Coach of the Year for New Mexico United back in the day. So he's got some experience and he's going to stick around. And we'll see how he does with this group because they're not very good right now, the New York Red Bulls. And then you have Ezra Hendrickson. Chicago Fire just got sacked as well today. We talked a little bit about it at the top of the show. He took Junior Gonzalez uh, with him as well. He got fired, and he was my teammate at UCLA, so a little sad for that. It's sad for Ezra, ultimately, but he didn't really – couldn't really kick on, right? He had a good amount of time, but I don't know if they built that roster in the right way. I mean, you we I don't know. I, I don't think it's just him, but 
obviously when you're the manager, you're usually the first one to go. So, so Charlie, your thoughts on, on these two guys and, and are you surprised by either one of them? Well, first off, when it comes to New York Red Bulls, Gerhard Struber, he's won one match. He's won four losses and six draws. That's not good enough to begin with for New York Red Bulls. And you throw in the whole racist incident of, about how he dealt with it. Yeah. It's just a poor manager. Just yeah. all, all around. One, the performances on the pitch and then off the pitch, not a leader. What what were they're wasting their time with with Gerhard Schuber? Go out and get a, a top manager. And, and I see that they're gonna allow the caretaker to to take the team for the rest of the season while they probably do an in-depth search. They're waiting to see but, if Jesse Marsh is available with Chris hey, Arms. <laughs> uh, what, I, and, I, and I don't think Jesse Marsh is, is coming back. He's not he he didn't fight for that long to build a reputation in Europe just to come back. That, that's not happening. Um, hey man, I just wanted to dream. God, squashing my dreams. That, over here. That, that's something that should have happened a long time ago. If yeah. you watched Red Bulls play, there was nothing inspiring when you you watched them, and so and he didn't do a good job of developing talent. So that's done. And then Ezra Hendrickson, same thing. You watched the Chicago Fire, pretty hopeless. I mean, they're they're two wins. Um, three losses and five draws both bottom of the east you gave both of them time i mean did he sign off on the jordan shakiri thing i mean jordan shakiri has been an absolute bust and they paid him a shit ton of money to come play and i don't know if ezra's like yeah i want jordan shakiri i mean you wouldn't say no to him because you hope that he'll play to the level that we know he's capable of but it just never panned out. I don't know really how he fit the system because he didn't fit the system. I'm just saying it might not well, all be not on, on Ezra. That, no, but it, okay. You're as a manager, as a, as a coach, there are going to be times when a sporting director, especially in Europe, in, in MLS, maybe it's an owner slash sporting director says, we want this player because we know he's going to sell a lot of tickets. He is His jersey sales are going to go through the roof and this is a business decision. Make it work. That's okay. That's fair. You're the coach. You got to deal with that. That's fair. That's what you sign up for. So I don't, well, I don't want to, what kind of responsibility does the technical director have to take for that? And this is Sebastian Peltzer uh, or, or, or even the, the, the general manager. I think it's George well, Heights. Well, uh, this, he's, this, this is his third coach. Now this is, yeah. he's going to be on his third coach now. Uh, and, and, and the, the good thing about a general manager slash sporting director is you are always removed. You are not the fall guy in most cases. You, you have opportunities. And and if, if you said it's his third coach that he's hired, that he's been in charge of, then, yeah, it, it starts to fall on you on, on number three. But that's the difference between a head coach and a sporting director or general manager. You have a little bit more security. You, you're, you're putting a lot of the decisions on the head coach in terms of how they play. So in this case, the head coach is always going to be the fall guy. All right. That's. You, no, you I get have, that. I get that. That's what you sign up for. That's the job. Championships behind sure, him. Sure. He, has, he has nothing to lean on. So in, in that case, that's the problem with you as a manager in in the most in, in most cases is you have to you you are responsible for the results. You and and you might put a lot of pressure on your your team inside closed doors, but on the outside you have to put everything on yourself. You right. got to move right. ego, and you got to get players to to buy into your system and you have to have the fans buy into the way that you manage the team so i just listen, listen my bias is showing i love ezra hendrickson both, both incredible guy. Were, were 
over the coaching. That that's I know it just bumps me. Was, I really yeah. wanted him to be good at that. How's he, Frank Lopez back he's in? He's a again, good guy, but uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. Being a good guy doesn't mean you're a good coach. Yes, sure. yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Frank Klopas is I'm back in surprised. for his third third stint in charge. All right, Klopas. I yeah, he and he also got named for the remainder of the season. So. They've got some time to pick that out. I'm, I'm going to move this along because I actually want to get into this part of the debate. And Heath, I'm yes. going to come to you. We're going to talk another MLS coach. But I really loved what Jim Curtin had to say here. He He's weighing in on whether teams should release their younger players to play in the U-20 World Cup. Okay, And our first game is coming up on May 20th against Ecuador. And the tournament got moved from Indonesia to Argentina. So Ecuador is going to be a pretty tough test. And I think maybe the hardest game in our group. So that first game is going to be super important. Mm-hmm. But Jim Curtin said this. We're not Spain. We're not Germany. We're not Argentina. We haven't won a World Cup ever. Let's try to win every competition at the youth level and show we have great players because we do. Rather than the confusion of acting like we are those big countries, I think sometimes you'll hear it from different sporting directors or coaches, and they'll say things like development, development, development. But then it comes time and they say, well, I can't sacrifice points here or I'll get fired or whatever may happen. I think we all need to be in this together to really be about it and not just talk about it. Now they are, Philadelphia Union, are releasing their players to play in the U-20 World Cup that are being picked to play. Chicago Fire, who we just mentioned with Ezra, are blocking Brian Gutierrez, 19-year-old, and Chris Brady, a goalkeeper, 19-year-old, from playing. Chicago Fire said they really wanted to go, and they expressed that. We didn't want to disappoint them or the Federation, but the priority in the situation is the Chicago Fire. Now, this is an isolated MLS. You got Hedek oh, Split gosh. in Croatia who, who blocked Rokas Pukstas from, from being able to play as well. Now, these are all three players that are mentioning are all first-team players. Like, they're playing regular minutes. They're not just sitting on the bench. So, so I can get that side of it a little bit. But I'm with, I'm with Jim Curtin here. Shout out to JC, another JC, because I think he's spot on. We all have to be in this together, and I think it doesn't feel that way in a lot of different ways in a lot of parts of the game in this country. Heath. Your turn. Uh, I fully agree with that. I, I, I don't think Jim Curtin's done a great job over the last two years of 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 following through on the model of playing young players as much as I think the Philadelphia Union have presented. Right, putting the investment in the academy. True. I I think that's one thing. So I think it's a little bit of like kind of put your money where your mouth is internally based on your own model. But I fully agree with him. In his comment, but, but he's not blocking players as it pertains yeah, to this. Yeah, as it pertains to this, players. but I fully agree with him that he's not blocking players. This is a great opportunity. And if you're Philadelphia Union, it goes back to Charlie's point a while ago when we were talking about Jalen Neal, which is, hey, LA Galaxy, you're not really about developing players right now, or you don't have this long pipeline of players. You've got a super talented guy. Your team is in a little bit of trouble. Jalen Neal didn't start the last game. He came in early uh, uh, from from an injury, uh, but. That's an opportunity for you to move a player like that. So if your emphasis isn't on just developing and playing young players within your club, you have an opportunity to put him in a shop window. And it's the one time where every scout in the world with a budget, with a, with a checkbook, is going to be watching these players in an intense environment over multiple games to be able to make decisions. And you could take a Jalen Neal. He can up his value in three matches and be on his way out, right? Which can be great. Philadelphia Union, that's part of their model. Why would they not want to put them in the shop window to say, okay, we've got players coming in. We don't have room for them on the field right now. We've got to move players on, right? So let's put them into this position. And I, and, and part of that's the business side, but the other side is like is like Jim Curtin said, we haven't won that. So let's release our players. I'm not sure why I hate explain, it's not doing it, 
they're 10 points off the table. Well, they may have a playoff. They're in the Croatian Cup final, and he they yeah. want him to be sharp for the Croatian Cup. There's a little final. bit of value in, in some of those types of things. I get yeah. it, right? If yeah. you're a player playing in a massive club in, in, in these types of environments, I don't know what the Chicago Fire benefits by not re- uh, releasing players. I get it's a tense time, but it sounds like there's people making decisions that don't know what they're doing to make a decision like that about these players and and, and their futures. That's my that's my take on it. And I, I think I've made my my take and 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 feel about this situation loud and clear. If you have a top talent young player who can play in a World Cup, given the experiences they'll get from this exactly, World Exactly, Charlie. Thank you. Why in the hell would you prevent a kid from going to compete with the world's Agreed. best when you don't play with a promotion promotion relegation, what does it matter if you're if you're depending on an 18 year old <laughs> American kid in MLS? Then you have bigger issues. You can't allow him to go and and get an incredible once in a lifetime experience to play in an under 20 World Cup with some of the best players in the world to also bond with some of the, the, your fellow Americans that I are playing it. at that level totally. so that you keep going down the path and you already have this chemistry and symmetry within the locker room with what it means to play for your country with pride. And MLS is a selling league. You are supposed to sell these players. How do you get them in front of the world's eyes by playing in a world cup, by playing against the world's best and showing the world's best who we are, how we're developing players. That's what it, what it's about. Why in the hell is Chicago fire coming out early like this too? And saying, don't even ask We're, we're they're not going. I get it if you had a number of injuries. Listen, Atlanta United like last minute, last minute. You're like, okay, sorry, we we, we have to block it because we got five, you know, three, four, five players injured and we need them. I'm so I'm sorry, but we need them. And you say, okay, I understand. Fine. And the player will still be down. But to come out already and say, nope, they're not going priorities with the Chicago fire. What? Since when? So, so. I I'm think a, I, I'm, I'm with mean, you. I, no, I'm you can triggered. drop the mic. You can, <laughs> yeah. You're definitely triggered. And I'm triggered with you. I, Jimmy, I, let me let me ask you something real quick. It just it might feed into the thought you're going to make. Do you think that there was a conversation with U.S. Soccer of saying, "Well, are my guys going to play?" Because there is also some argument to say, "Well, what? Why do you need my 18 to 20 uh, on on your roster? Like, why do you need him? He plays for me, or I need them here." And you're going to ride them on the bench, or they're not in your your big plans. Do you think that conversation takes place? Because I don't uh, know. You know, it seems like there are some factors that would create some tension in an argument, but overall, um, yeah. But no. even even so, if you're a substitute, you're telling me I'm not going to let the player go just in case. You, you know the game, a, a injury, a red card. He the player gets a chance and boom, gone, and you're playing. I I go back to the Olympics. You don't have to be released for the Olympics. My club, I was a starter on my club. I was the only goal scorer for my my team in Hammerby in Sweden. And there's promotion and relegation. They let me go. You know why? Because, and I wasn't starting. We had Brian McBride and Freddie Adu. Those were the two stars. Josie and I were on the bench. So my coach said, and the club, go out and get that experience. It's a once in a lifetime. It's Olympics. I know you're, you're not going to be slated to start. We feel that if you do get your opportunity, you will show well. And I did. It took three games to finally get in, but it happened, and I and I played well. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough to get us through, but hey, it, it's the experience. It's amazing. You don't 
take that from a kid. You don't you don't take that from from a business perspective. Okay, so, your so profit. It, Charlie, it, you could Charlie. have a massive profit from that. I, I actually want to ask, I, I would love to have a whole podcast on how your thoughts about not starting throughout the Olympics uh, and then finally getting your chance. But we'll leave that aside. Imagine if Hammerby, if Hammerby didn't let you go, what yeah. kind of resentment would you have harbored? Oh, as a player? I, I would be I, my your whole life. You 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 work to eventually play in a World Cup, but also in Olympics. The Olympics is massive in our country. Think I remember the first one was 1996 that I watched that really intently and. And that dream is there. Oh my God. One day I want to represent my country. I want to play in an Olympics. I want to get on a cereal box. I want to have a gold medal. I want to be able to do those things. That moment is finally there. You earned it. And your club says no. Oh, you, you yeah, I get it. I would be super, I would, I would be angry. You guys want, guys want a 96, uh, fun fact, uh, yes. from the Olympics. Uh, my little brother, uh, during the, during the McDonald's monopoly games, uh, they had oh. they ran a promotion with the '96. I uh, remember, Olympics, and my brother won a year supply of Coke. <laughs> no way! That's yeah. pretty. That's and pretty cool. Said, and, and, and I thought they were going to come with like a big old truck and be like, "Here's your, you know, Coke products for a year." But they gave us a. Um, we were living in Oregon at the time, where you have to pay like the uh, redemption value when you buy something. So it wasn't uh, like uh, fully free, but it, they sent us coupons of fifty-two twelve packs. <laughs> no way. So we got That's 52 pretty- 12 packs and then you had to pay like i think it was like five or ten cents per can when you'd go and do it but you get a 12 pack for a buck and that, so that for a year dude crazy incredible right as a kid. crazy dude, that, that, my, I, remember, oh, I still remember sitting watching we're watching the uh olympics hanging out and my brother peels it off of the uh the french fry uh thing and looks at it, he's like your supply of coke i'm like you know how it is you're like dude shut up and then all of a sudden he's like dude i seriously what it's like oh, crazy right you're trying uh, to like build your like you know what, the the boards like trying to get collect all of them yeah exactly you're trying to collect all of them but what's crazy is that's the closest thing i ever got to the olympics charlie <laughs> uh, thanks uh, peter novak thank, thank you peter novak uh, for not calling peter me back. back i'm sorry uh also uh I, i'm i'm i see a comment on the youtube section oh he's triggered he's triggered just a little bit he said uh the person says olympics compared to u20 world cup is different though yeah you're right it is different in the olympics you are typically under 23 you could be a even a more massive part of of the club and in a a bigger way in terms of the results Your, your presence Without and the, the, and the national team, and the team and the national team is right. is much greater than under twenty. So under twenties, the focus should be allowing the player to go and play. That that's it, it makes it that much easier to say, okay, under twenty World Cup, we'll let them go. Versus an Olympics where you're saying, hey man, we don't want to get relegated. But this is this was middle of the season in Sweden, same type of time frame as MLS. I they didn't have to let me go. So uh, I, I would say, yeah, of course, the, the Olympics has got a name, but I'd say the emphasis on playing your younger players at an under-20 World Cup is that much greater. I also think, too, from a national team perspective, it's a frame of reference. Like, hey, the, that kid did it for us against Ecuador in the U-20 World Cup. Like, he, he was in a tough environment, had two big center backs on him, created space, created opportunities for, you know, whatever it is. I'm talking about a striker here, but... But those are, fre- those are reference games, and I think that's important, especially from our from a national team perspective as we look through our pipeline of who can help us. Well, we actually have a body of evidence and work that this kid can perform when all eyes are watching on him. And, yeah, we have the club stuff, but also from a U.S. men's national team stuff, that stuff is, is hey, important to know as well. 
one one last thing I wanted to say is last time I caught up with Robin Frazier, it was right after Darren Yappy had come back from a national team camp. And I was like, what, what, you know, is there any feedback on how he, how it went in camp for him? And he talked about how Darren Yappy as a striker played against the French national team, youth national team. Right. And they've got a, like a six foot France has like a six foot eight center back. And so we realized that like the speed and the power and all the things that he possesses at the highest, highest level, everyone has around him. Right. And that he's going to have to develop his game in other ways, instead of just being this big striker. And I asked him, well, what's the next step for him within whatever. And instead of him talking about the club team, he goes, well, the next step for Darren Yappy is the U 20 world cup. And I was like, oh, that's a, it was a really interesting answer. Cause I expected him to be like, oh yeah, competing for a starting spot here. But he was saying the next step in his development is to go to the U 20 world cup that he's sort of cemented his, his positioning had a good camp. And the next step for his development is to go into the world cup and challenge himself, which I thought was a really unique answer considering the conversation was generally about major league soccer. So he go, yeah. <laughs> so he's going because Robin gets it and Chicago fire do not. So, all right. We're going to take our second to last break of in soccer. We trust when we come back, we'll do our little weekend recap and we'll, uh, Give some love to uh, some people that we know we're friends with that just got inducted to the National Hall of Fame. So don't go anywhere. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Okay, listen, everybody, in Soccer We Trust is more than a YouTube first podcast. It is a community and a community that you can rep with official in Soccer We Trust gear only found on the Paramount shop. Discover T-shirts, mugs, sweatpants, laser-engraved pint glasses, hats, water bottles, and mahogany panels just like Chuck has behind him, and more to show your friends and family what is up. Right now in Soccer We Trust listeners will get 20% off your order when you use this podcast-exclusive code SOCCER20 during checkout. That's SOCCER20, and it's only available for our listeners. So head over to, and I want you to write this down, paramountshop.com slash collection slash in dash soccer dash we dash trust and shop now bonus points for you. I feel like we should give you an extra code. If you remember that off the top of your head, when you're typing it in. All right. Welcome back to in soccer. trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Davis and Heath Pierce. And we are enjoying the show. Lots of good and healthy conversations, but let's get into our weekend recap. Man city versus Leeds. Got a couple Americans there. And uh, Man City should have won by a lot, but they only won by a little. It was 2-1 in favor of City is an inch closer to the Premier League title. Brendan Aronson came off for 10 minutes. He had a hell of a turn in the middle of midfield and like his two touches when he got those 10 minutes. But then his pass went a little long. But I liked the idea and his turn in tight space was fantastic. Uh, Weston McKinney played the full game and, and I thought he looked fine. I don't know how you guys thought. We got Ricardo Pepe scored a, a banger. Well, he got on the end of a cross, more of a tap, and he almost missed it. But you know what? It still hits the back of the net. But unfortunately, Groningen are relegated, but he gets the goal against the go-ahead Eagles, which is one of my favorite name clubs in the world. Uh, Rance versus Lille. 
Uh, mm, Fuller and Mulligan game. subbed off. Wayas got subbed on. Runs gets the 1-0 win. We had Paxton Aronson subbed on at halftime with Eintracht. Eintracht Frankfurt is allowing Paxton Aronson to go to the U-20 World Cup. So shout out to them. Hoffenheim, Hoffenheim ended up winning 3-1. Uh, we got Mark McKenzie scoring in his third straight game, but they lost to Royal Antwerp 2-1. A whole bunch of players we can talk about. Uh, I don't know where you guys want to jump in. Charlie, I'll come to you first. Yeah, I, I think Mark McKenzie is is a great one. Just in terms of his growth as a player uh, in Europe, it's different uh, as a center back. He, it's hard to get the credit you deserve. I think it, it takes a lot more effort and figuring out ways to impact the game. He hadn't scored at all for his club. And now he's scored in three straight games. Mm-hmm. He's feeling himself. That's he's crazy. really grown to to being a top center back on his team where guys look at it and say, well, now you're not just there to, to, to break up plays and, and show that you can, you know, stick with anybody athletically and in, in reading the game. Now you're getting goals. Center backs who can get goals, get big transfers. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if he continues this progress and development, expect a, another big move from him because uh, Mark McKenzie has always had the, the quality and the ability. I think with the U S men's national team, it still hasn't clicked yet for him, but his, his last year with the union, he was phenomenal. He was lights out, got this move. And I think again, the adjustment period, he goes through those moments of like insecurity as a center back and, and trying to figure himself out. But once he plays with confidence and, and he's sure of himself, Oh, phenomenal player. And I also want to give another shout out to another center back, Jimmy uh, Cameron Carter Vickers. I mean, yeah. I know he just had surgery, but he was a Scottish premier leagues best defender and his, his Celtic team are about to win a treble. I mean, they're, they're in the Scottish cup final in, in June against Inverness. And I could see them winning a treble and Cameron Carter Vickers is could be on the uh, a verge of a, of a move from here. Uh, Anj Postacoglu has already said he's the best defender in the league. Um, so plaudits to to Cameron Carter Vickers. I know he's recovering from from a, a minor knee surgery, but two center backs, the Americans doing it. I like it. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Celtic. That's the they've won the Scottish Premiership eleven out of the last twelve years. So. Looking like one-way traffic. Good for him. We'll see where he ends up going. Uh, thinking about Rangers, the main competitor in that league, Malik Tillman has been shut down for the rest of the season due to a hamstring strain. So uh, no news on him outside of that. But let's talk about so Ricardo Pepe's number one fan uh, with with Ricardo Pepe's number one fan, Heath Pierce here. Scored his 12th goal of the Dutch Eredivisie, but uh, not enough to keep Groningen from getting relegated. So bittersweet. Yeah, and I just like, again, we've seen a dip in form right now from Balogun, right? He's not scoring uh, uh, a lot at the moment at the pace or rate he was before. We obviously know he's a fantastic player. And one thing I just like is, you know, I don't, uh, what I want to see from Ricardo Pepe is that continued just consistency of creating opportunities and scoring goals, right? Doesn't need to be every game, but for him as a, as a development, he's in a tough situation. He was in that same tough situation at, at a higher level at Augsburg. Uh, and the team was going under. They didn't rely upon him. He, when he'd get his chances, was still just very green and raw. To see him now in a tough environment, a club that, like, people talk about Gronigan, like, in isolation from Ricardo Pepe, but every day he goes in there, that is a really stressful environment, right? You're fighting relegation. You're on the verge. You're not getting the results. They were ahead at many times in the season and couldn't hold on to it. Gronigan's not a small club or a club that belongs uh, outside of the top league and for him to continue to do that and get about his business and develop as a player, I think it's just a testament to 
the mentality he has right now. I'm, I'm creating this narrative because I'm not on the inside and don't know, but I do know what a difficult uh, environment is around around fighting relegation and to continuously perform through that. I think is uh, is pretty great to see, and hopefully that feeds into the next small step forward for him. You know, I'd love to see him at a bigger club and in uh, the area divisi and and not kind of skip steps because we're seeing that now. You know, look at Matthew Hoppy like was was flying tough situation moves doesn't work goes to the next club isn't working and I doesn't just go to the next club doesn't work doesn't yeah. and and I I, I don't want to see these like blips in in like oh yeah what could have been. Um, and a player like uh, uh, and a player like Pep because he does have some tools that I think are really unique and not just like another player for the pool. All right, let's talk uh, really quick just about Giorena. We haven't mentioned him, I think, in the last few podcasts, and maybe we're just tired of mentioning his name after we had multiple, multiple podcasts dedicated, or at least to his family situation with the Burhalters. But he's only played five games in the last two months. Come off the bench here, Chuck. Uh, he got 21 minutes in Dortmund's big six-year win against Wolfsburg, but he came on when the game was. Five zero, and clearly not being trusted in the same type of way. He's got ten minutes back on March eleventh. Then he got eighteen minutes uh, a week later. Didn't play, didn't play for a month, but scored with his eight minutes against Stuttgart. Then had nine minutes, and then had twenty-one minutes here. It's just not a lot of minutes for a player that uh, obviously we have a lot of hope and potential and and uh, joy when he's when he's joyful and playing. I don't know what what the deal is. Do you think he's going to stay at Dortmund? What's what? What do you like? Get out your crystal ball, Chuck, and let's talk Gio Reyna's future. If one could predict, I'd say his future is not with Dortmund. I mean, he's not getting any playing time. But you go from being like the next up after Christian Pulisic to to no playing time, and this is a player who scores. He he he's making the most of his opportunities when he has played. In a lot of cases, I mean, he was he started twenty twenty three on fire. At Dortmund, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. just petered out quick, and it went from starter to to nut to nothing, to no minutes. So I don't see him sticking with Dortmund. And Adeyemi, who's playing in front of him, is like Very a big good. time baller. He's yeah, he, yeah. he's 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 not going to play over Adeyemi. So um, yeah, Adeyemi two goals and an assist. Yeah, I, I see. Or, I see yeah, him. Yeah. I see him moving. I just wonder where 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 that move is, Heath. I mean, I, I think there are clubs that still fit his abilities, right? When I think about RB Leipzig, when I think about maybe you think what staying in Germany, then yeah, I, I I do like his style of play and the way it fits within Germany. Um, maybe he needs a change of pace or a change of scenery, and that's something different. But there is still the Hoffenheims, the Leverkusens, the the yeah. RB Leipzig. Hoffenheim struggling, so there could be an emphasis on bringing in new young players and competing in the way that Hoffenheim did in the past. RB Leipzig again. I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking about this in isolation of like who's currently in that position, whose spot would he have to take? I'm just thinking about clubs that could be a good environment for him to be not the sure starter, but win out as a starter in a club where there's high pressure and they play an attractive style of play that that could help him develop. But I think staying in Germany would work. Okay. Do you see would going to uh like a like a Benfica? Like you know, like a that'd probably feel like a step down for him, but but Going to a La Liga would be a good move for him if he could go to, let's say, like a Villarreal or Real Sociedad, a, a, a team that's yeah, yeah. just under Real like Barca at Tadico. Right. So I could see him going to a, a place like that in Finland, a top Serie A team. Um, you're obviously not top top four, but let's say a Roma playing at a Roma who who need uh, some some attacking players especially midfielders and strikers they might not even be in europe be, though they might not even be in europe this year 
next year. Who cares? It's Roma. Yeah. 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 It kind of leads into somebody had a comment about comparing Gio Reyna. At least when he plays, he makes the most of his minutes by scoring and doing more. And I'm looking at Christian Pulisic's last 10 games and it's, uh, it's not great. He he's getting more minutes, I guess, when he gets on the fields than Gio, but he's got no goals or assists since, since he got an assist against the Netherlands. <laughs> so, so he has not got any goal scoring contributions and I wonder what his future is like too. And I'm sure we could dedicate a lot of time yeah. uh, to that, but we find some of our better attacking players mired in these situations where it feels like there's a lot of unknown. And I wonder the types of choices they're going to have to make based on the, the clubs that are going to be available to them. I mean, I mean, I don't, this feels really dramatic and over dramatic to say that. But Gio's they, twenty. They, yeah, they're both. Yeah, they're both still very young. Even Christian's. Still but twenty young. is still getting into that age of three years pro, where he's you know is one thing at Dortmund when he was seventeen, right? Both of them, standout players, eighteen stars, right? For for their age compared to the quality and level that they're playing at, nineteen even. Now Gio's found himself in a little bit of this dip, and Pulisic experienced that when he got to Chelsea. Same thing which he was, what, 22 maybe, I guess, when he got to Chelsea. Um, and and now, not no one's going to write him off because he's, he's 20. He's got a ton of time, but he's got to fit into a club where you're going to get productivity out of him as opposed to being like he's 17, let him have his time, play him a half here, 60, 70 minutes, rest him every third or fourth game because of whatever, not rest him, but rotate him every third or fourth game. They're getting that age where Gio's got to go to a place where he's going to be that consistent starter for 30 plus games in a year if he's fit and well, if he's fit and healthy. I guess for both of them, fit and healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Now Kai makes a good point that Adeyemi and Jude Bellingham will will probably leave. Uh so there could be opportunities for him to stay at Dortmund. I, I guess we're just gonna have to wait and see. It doesn't look good at the moment. All right. Well, let's... they're by the way, they're competing for a title right now. So if he's not informed, they're not gonna go with him. Like no, they are true. they are chasing, true. they are true. neck and neck with Bayern in, in the league in terms of like that gap is not a big one. So it's not like this point in the season where you can say, ah, we're going to finish in the Champions League spot and we can we can take some more chances. They're going to go with their best team over and over and over again, which is, again, one that you hope that he would have won out, but because he's not, it is really hard to get in that team, you know? I wonder if the Reina parents are looking for some dirt on Ed and Tursich's manager. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> that was too easy. It's a low-hanging fruit, and I got Chuck shaking his head. All right, let's pivot over to uh, some of our pals that just got inducted into... The National Soccer Hall of Fame. I'm talking about Demarcus Beasley and Landon Donovan, who grew up together ultimately and went through a lot of these experiences together and, and really came onto the scene in the U17 World Cup back in the day and just kept going and going and going. And, and uh, we owe them a great deal of gratitude for everything they accomplished and what they did to elevate the game. They were joined by Lauren Cheney Holiday, played for the U.S. Women's National Team, Kate Sabrero, Mark Kraft. Uh, Jill Ellis, who ended up winning two World Cups for the women's national team and indoor soccer legend, Slavisa Steve Zungle. And then all, I guess Hope Solo entered into this, even though she got she was part of the ceremony, even though she got inducted the year before. So some big names. Uh, I'll give you some stats. B's 126 appearances for the U.S. team between 2001 and 2017. So a really long career like Ramiro Corrales to put that to bring that all the way back in. But yeah, but Romero had six <laughs> over 12 years. Yeah, uh, he was the first similar. American man, first American man to play in four World Cups. Uh, he played it 11 seasons in in uh, in his professional career. I think it's longer than that, but 11 seasons in Major League Soccer, one best 11 selection, two U.S. Open Cup titles. Uh, now he's, he's part of USL League 2. He's co-owner of Fort Wayne FC, and he's doing a whole bunch of 
Uh, great stuff uh, behind the scenes. Uh, then with regard to Landon, 157 appearances, uh, three World Cups, one Olympics. He's uh, second only to Kobe Jones on the list of all-time national team appearances, and his 57 goals are tied with Clint Dempsey as the all-time leader. I think it's crazy that they tied on goals, given how it's always like Landon or Clint kind of thing. Uh, LD played 15 seasons in MLS, seven best 11 selections, and uh, when he retired, he was the all-time MLS goal-scoring leader, which Chris Wondolowski ultimately uh, broke. But uh, shout-out to these two guys in particular. These are easy choices here, Charlie. You have to, to, to be in. No problem. Slam dunk. Yeah. Um, I want to say, first thing, watching Landon's speech, that he he was talking about Kyle Beckerman consoling him. And this was Kyle Beckerman's one moment of, of just being over the moon, finally getting to play in a world cup, being selected on the roster. And here he was consoling Landon. 2014 Landon yeah. didn't get to go. Yeah. And Landon talked about not being able to do that for somebody. And, and I'll argue that and say, no, you actually did that. You did that for me. He so he sent me, you know, gifts and video games and, uh, uh, a letter just when I was in the hospital and recovering from a car accident and he didn't have to do that. And that, that touched me the deepest. I was, I was so moved by Lennon taking time to, to reach out and say like, keep going with your rehab, you know, the team's behind you. So that meant a lot to me, uh, even though he, he may not, um, remember that or, or, or think of how he's helped people. He's helped tons of people. He's inspired tons of people. So, um, don't don't beat yourself up, Landon. You you did you did a lot. And Demarcus is the OG. I mean, he's the best. He was my role model, right? I mean, is for any black kid in this country, any kid that would look at Demarcus Beasley of you know wearing the jewelry and being cool and 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 just blowing by people with his quickness and playing in Champions League with PSV with some of the greatest players. Um, that that was that was fantastic. And and what a legend he he's. Bees is, you know, driving around his in his Aston Martin uh, skittles <laughs> in Miami. I mean, he, he's just he's the best. He's he's one of the, the the best. I mean, what a great teammate. Always had a smile on his face. You know, he's one of those guys you never saw him like moan or complain. He was always like happy and and he, he was just ne you never saw like negativity from Bees, which was yeah. I mean, just goes to show what a what a top top man he is. Yeah, and, and a tremendous role model, both on and off the field, to get to your point. Uh, Heath, any, any, let's make this your final thoughts. Yeah. And thank about, you, P. Morton, uh, for the, for the comment. And yeah. The, I, I, again, for, for, for me, it's, it's, I went into the residency program, which if people didn't, whatever, if you don't know what it is, look it up. Um, I was in the second group. And when we came into that group, B stayed an extra few months. He had just signed a Project 40 contract and he was living with us. And he was giving away shoes to all of us, right? We were just a <laughs> bunch of broke kids. And he was this guy who had everything at that point, like in terms of like what it was to be a teenager with disposable income and like a massive uh, contract. But the thing that inspired me the most is that when we came in, they had just come back with Landon winning the golden ball at the U-17 World Cup, right? This was the first time you could now imagine a U.S. team based on this program and a superstar that could go and be the best player in the world at that age. And imagine, in imagine Heath, if his club didn't let him go to play, that yeah. would have been heartbreaking. But and go, then secondarily, <laughs> you had Demarcus Beasley silver ball at the U 17 world cup. Yeah. I think they finished fourth in a devastating like penalty shootout or whatever it was, but there was, there was this like new standard of like, you could dream big fast forward a couple of years, 
you know, I'd, I'd gone through a, a leg break, not knowing if I was going to uh, play anymore or even go to college or whatever. And 2002 happens. And now these guys went from being golden ball, silver ball to, uh, to a world cup on the biggest stage. And I'm living in Florida doing my rehab in the middle of the night, watching two young players take on the world and take us to the furthest point we've ever been in a world cup. And so for me, as, as somebody who was only two years younger than them to see this new reality of like, Oh yeah, it's no longer this whole, like, you know, poster on the wall type of thing, uh, uh, where you could dream it's actually happening and it's happening right in front of me where I feel, and we feel like there are steps footsteps that I can follow in behind to know that that can potentially be something for me. And I just remember that being my first grasp of something where I'm like, Oh, this is real. It's actually happening. I, you know, uh, and and that inspired me to then go and pursue my professional thing, get called into the national team, and then subbed in for Demarcus Beasley on my first appearance, which for me was like mind blowing. And and so to see those guys pave a way, and it wasn't like generational paving the way; they were just in front of me, but they were making leaps and bounds in a way that previous to that I could never imagine being a reality for me is just amazing. So well deserved for them. Well, I'm old enough to be their dad, so I'm just really <laughs> proud of them and excited that uh, they're getting this recognition that they definitely You're deserve. You're Lennon's mentor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the big big brother that's just – I'm a tryhard. I'm the tryhard <laughs> big brother that somehow found his way onto the team. All right, that's it. That's the end of the show. We appreciate all your love and support. So on behalf of Producer Des, Producer Alex, Charlie Heath, and me, Trash Can, Cream Cheese, Conrad Dino Conrad, also known as Jim, thank you for all of – what you do for In Soccer We Trust. And we cannot wait to talk to you on Thursday because we're going to have plenty to talk about. We got a lot of Open Cup games and we got a lot of good stuff and it's going to be awesome. So we can't wait to see you then. Later! It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.